Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, this week's episode is brought to you by True Niagen and can be found on drdrew.com. Click on the banner to see how you can get this amazing product today. Also, Bergamot Sport is something we can all approve of. 10% off on drdrew.com. Check it out. The Swole Patrol is the Swole Patrol. Now we're talking to a girl with a big ass and she made it the proper way. She had negative ass. I can't believe it. Now I go on Instagram and look at Abby's ass and I have to go be by myself so my wife doesn't see me. Masturbate to pictures of her ass and her thighs. Oh yeah. <laughs> Woo! That I'm was amazing. That was, that Thank was you. a really good song. Good yes. freestyle. It is the Swole Patrol. Abby Pollock, our guest. Vinny Tortorich filling in for Dr. Drew, who is doing Teen Mom bullshit. Uh, but we love Dr. Drew in his absence. I hope he's not getting too much fan criticism by all the Teen Mom heads. Uh, so, Dr. Drew, wherever you are, uh, stay strong, brother. Vinny Tortorich is here at yes. Vinny Tortorich on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and also keep your eyes open. He has already gotten the funding. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give him a round of applause for Fat, a documentary. I'm very excited for the film. And once again, our guest is Abby Pollock. She is at Ampolo on that there Instagram, which is where I recommend you first get in touch with this woman because the pictures and the videos are hard to believe. And I mean that, I mean that sincerely, Abby Pollock. I cannot believe Mike, Mike, hang on. Yes. Hang on. <laughs> As you know, I have a degree in physical education, one in exercise physiology and nutrition. Yes. yes. I'm a smart dude. Yes. But there's a part of the anatomy that I wasn't aware of until about a week ago. Yes. And Serena and I have not stopped talking about it. It only appears clitoris, on women. Yes. No, I knew about the clitoris. I oh, found okay. that about three years ago. Okay, I'm still looking for yeah, it. Yeah, by accident, I was like Magellan down there one night, <laughs> and I found the clit, and I went, what? What, what, what is this? You know, it was like a speed bump on my way, literally. And, uh, <clears throat> but I figured out the clit. It only took me 40 years. Yes. Sorry, Abby. I'm still working on it. Abby, are you old enough that we're having this I conversation? Know, I know. Yeah, we're all good. We're all okay, good. Okay, okay, because, all right. But do you know what the Toblerone is? When I don't it comes know what the Toblerone is. Abby, do you know what the Toblerone is? I, no, but I'm curious. Okay, this is a new thing on Instagram. I just learned. And Serena came to me. She goes, in her British accent, do I have a Toblerone? And it turns out she does. It's oh. where these women wear like the G-string up the back. It could be like the, the one-piece G-string. They take the, a photo from behind, you know, the, somehow the selfie in the mirror with the oh, behind them. And it's, it's like the triangle between the top of their vag and how their legs come in. So you have to have that <laughs> little gap right there. Right? Okay. Right now, Susan is showing us her Toblerone. Susan, I don't think Drew would appreciate this. Please put your clothes back on. See? Jesus Christ, Susan. There it is. Um, but 
Look it up, Susan. I'm not making the. She's looking okay. it I know, up right now. Now I know exactly what you're talking. You know what I'm talking about? It's well, like the, you know why they it's call the it it's like a Toblerone. It looks piece like a Toblerone. Yes. Yeah, you could if you could fit a Toblerone. And uh, you being an <laughs> ass model and everything, Abby, we need to see Toblerone photos of you on your Instagram. Is that correct, Mike? Or I'm, I, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I don't want to put Abby in an uncomfortable position, but. This is something that I am very new to. I mean, the only thing I was really aware of is that that really uncomfortable amount of camel toe you get from hiking your gym pants up too high. But uh, this is a new concept. Yeah, you're speaking my language. No, I was always told I had it. Okay. And then you also have a little gap between your legs, so your legs go. Yeah, exactly. You're supposed to have that. That's how you know you got it going on. <laughs> Good shape. But I learned from Adam Carolla that Drew is a man of exquisite passion. Oh, yes. And they still won't tell me. What does that mean? It means that Susan often is walking funny from <laughs> Drew pounding it out so hard. Drew is like a 60-year-old dude he now, right? He gets my Tobler out of life. Yeah. Dr. Drew, Dr. Drew has been... Uh, I mean, he asked. Susan's been in traction before. She's actually been put <laughs> really? in full traction. I mean, we were talking about it the other day at Corolla with Drew. He turned purple. Yeah, and I'm not talking about his purple helmet of passion. No, no, I'm no. talking. He turned purple. purple. Yeah. Especially after having prostate surgery. Yeah, well now he can he can still he can, he can still pat it out, and now Drew doesn't shoot loads, and the protein really has made his penis bigger. I swear to God. Oh my God! Can really? we talk to our guest? Is that a, wait? Hang do you on. Think it's possible. <laughs> Oh, and by the way, Drew's stuck in an airport. There's there's severe thunderstorm pods and a tornado. Oh. Is he watching okay. us right now? Oh, on... wait. He's jumping on the plane. All right. Okay. Okay. That's a Drew update. I know. Listen to me. We'll keep you posted. Everyone knows. It. We could sit and talk about how Drew has a huge cock and puts in work all day. And we could talk about We could talk else. about the Toblerone. <laughs> but let us talk first about Abby Pollock, who is our guest. Um, Abby Pollock, at Abby Pollock Fit, at a M P O L L O, A M P O L L O. It's like an acronym, some yes. sort of thing for my name. I my Mexican side wanted to read it as Ampollo, but yep, yep. I've I've heard about the Pollo reference before. Um, but Transformation Nation, tell us about it in a nutshell uh, before we get into like the nuts and bolts of what makes you. Yeah. So basically, this is the company that I started. I guess mm, just about a year and a half ago, and it's kind of like my answer to a lot of the fitness programs that just cater to delivering motivation and giving you a workout plan and giving you a nutrition plan and saying, Hey, follow this. It's going to get you results. Uh, that wasn't really something that I could a follow or I could really feel comfortable delivering. So it's where, in my opinion, motivation meets the education side of fitness, um, kind of delivering people that full circle of what they need to actually achieve and keep their results long-term. That's a, you know, it sounds like a worthy endeavor for sure. Um, how, what got you started into this world? Because uh, you were an engineering student, am I right? Yeah. So I was at, I was at U of T, so University of Toronto. I'm from Canada um, for mechanical engineering. And I did, I did graduate from that a couple of years back now. Um, so I was in that and it was not intentional or planned in any way, really. Um, part of, I guess I, it was, it was a little bit grim, I guess how I got into that, but uh But part of that was I'd been working with my father's company um, in the engineering side of what he did. So he owned a food food service company and uh, he kind of specialized in, I guess, the magic of little things, right? So forks, knives, garbage bags, anything you'd see in a restaurant that's not food. Um, So I've been working there. I've been doing, I guess, the design and manufacturing of a lot of the products, traveling to Asia often, you know, kind of working through that. Um, But he got cancer and things, you know, they they took a turn for the worse, as they often do. Um, so the, the, the 
the position I've been working in wasn't really a viable option. So I guess that transition kind of happened the January of my final year in school. I'm like, okay, I I'm feeling a bit lost if we're going to be honest with ourselves. And, uh, I, I, I just, I felt like it in my heart, I'm like, I need a change. I need to do something very, very different, which is so out of the usual for me. I'm not an impulsive person at all, really. Um, I'd started this fitness Instagram, right? My first year of university, mainly as an accountability tool, straight up. I was posting ass shots, like literally every other picture. Um, but as I continued posting, my page did continue to grow, right? Especially as I kind of moved more into the evidence-based side of fitness and nutrition. So I thought, okay, this is super weird, but would I ever consider working in this industry? And at first, I, I, the firm answer, no, I'm not going to go to five years of engineering just to work in fitness, I thought to myself. Um but I just, I don't know, I, I couldn't shake the idea, right? So I set some ground rules. I wanted to do things differently. I didn't want to be kind of like another voice in the echo chamber that's women's fitness and health for the most part. Um, and I really wanted to, to keep it based in science, but still accessible to the people who didn't have a technical background. So from where I started to where I'm at now, I started with small group coaching, working with groups of usually 10 to 20 women. Um, then over the course of the next year, I kind of refined my approach. I learned more about I guess the online business side of things and now the TFN team, I think we're going on maybe 5,000 women, which is pretty nice. What what is your approach, Abby? (laughs) If you don't mind me asking, um, like approach to the business side or no, 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 just the fitness. It's a fitness show. So let's, let's talk about the fitness side. Yeah. So with the TFN team, the way I explain it is it's a why behind what you're doing. And I know it sounds so simple, but it's, it's something very simple that when I was first starting my fitness journey, so many programs and so many articles and so many um, resources just failed to provide. They said, do this because I said so, or they said, do this because it works for me. And I found that in the fitness space, there was just so much anecdotal evidence and so much that I either just could not relate to. I'm like, I look nothing like you. There's no way that what worked for you is going to work for me. Or it just, it straight up sounded like bullshit. I, I said, okay, why would I do that with my diet if I don't have to? And so our entire program is focused on educating our members and taking them from kind of where they're at now, whether that's somebody who has never been into fitness, has never, um, you know, never been into any of that and helping them develop the habits that they need to kind of just get to that next level, right? You know, taking them from being kind of your average, your average person and getting them to being fit and then taking them from being fit to being, you know, somebody who could get, who could become an athlete, right? Somebody who knows how to apply. Um, I don't, I don't know how technical you want me to get, but somebody who knows how to apply, you know, periodization, who knows how to adapt their programs over time, who knows how to eat in line with their goals, even if that doesn't mean, you know, following a strict meal plan or, you know, always eating the same foods or anything like that. It, it really is teaching them from all angles how to make this a lifestyle and how to make it something that they are in, in control of. So, um, what 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 is your approach? You mentioned periodization. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And that's that's just a broad term. In, in what yeah. respect? So, let's say uh, I'm. It sounds like you, you're dealing more with women than men. Should I assume yes. that? Or. Yeah. Okay, what? Give me the general person uh, you're getting up, eighteen to twenty-two year olds. What are you finding, and what are they looking for? Um, yeah, give me so, that if you don't mind. Yeah, so we usually work um, girls who are kind of either girls who can relate directly to me, so girls who are like twenty to twenty-four, um, or we we get a lot of a lot of new moms or a lot of moms with young kids. 
Um, so those are kind of the two main groups of women I'd say that we work with. So if you want like age ranges, 20 to 24, and like I'd say mm, 30 to 34, if I had to kind of put a number on it. Um, and so the, so early program, 20s through yeah. mid 30s, is that what I'm yeah. hearing? Yeah. And what do those women want? So what a lot of them ultimately want is, I think they can really relate to where I felt when I started my fitness journey. They said, I feel like I can't trust anyone. I feel like everything's a scam. And I feel like I just can't fundamentally relate to these fitness models. These girls whose lives are, you know, going on photo shoots, going to like Bali and going on retreats. And, you know, they've always been fit. So how could I ever possibly relate to them? They don't provide any of the explanation behind what they do. And I just, I can't really see how I could bridge the gap between where I'm at now and where they are and where I want to be. Right. And so all of my social media now, the Instagram, um, the YouTube, those are my two main platforms. Those focus on explaining how to achieve very specific topics, right. Whether it's how to go through, you know, a booty focused um, weightlifting workout and some of the biomechanics behind that, or whether it's, you know, how to practice intermittent fasting or how to structure your meals. It's always kind of giving them the why behind what they're doing so that they can actually have that confidence to start and see it through rather than just kind of falling off at, you know, the traditional two week mark that every diet seems to fail. Right. Right. So did you have a question? Mike? No, no, no. I mean, I'm, I'm all right. So uh, kicking what, it off perfectly. So let's say I'm a 22 year old girl and I want to start your program. Um, let's say I'm, I don't know. I'm going to, I'm five, seven. Yep. I, weigh, I weigh 175 pounds. I have a few pounds to lose. Nice. You know, Mike okay. likes that, but he's half Mexican. They like a little, a little they have like a little, a little punch, a little, little, I need a little beef. little cushion for the pushing. You know. Um, what, what would you advise me to do? Yeah. Okay. So if you're pretty new to fitness, the way that our program works is we have two main bundles. I'm so. a co- no, I'm a couch potato. I'm very yeah. new to fitness at okay, this point. Okay. Perfect. I got you. So you'd be on the beginner plan. And the way that we actually break this program down is we have kind of within the program, there's three goal specific paths you can take. And we defined these paths based on the most common goals or like I guess, like wish lists that women had, you know, the transformations they wanted to achieve. So, you know, for a 175 pound woman at five foot seven, you probably want to lose, I mean, maybe 20 pounds, maybe 30 pounds, right? It, it depends on your personal preference, but we probably put you on the momentum fat loss plan. So what that's designed to do is, um, you know, adjust your calories down, create a calorie deficit. We start everyone on a, a relatively structured meal plan, as well as on a structured weightlifting plan. We don't start with any cardio right from the get-go because that's something that a lot of people have a resistance to. And they kind of, it's just something that when they see it can be something that discourages them early on. So rather than focusing on doing a lot of activity or doing adding a lot of new items to their schedule, we focus on creating that calorie deficit and kicking off their weight loss via nutrition. We focus on keeping them sculpted rather than you know getting them towards skinny fat by lifting weights in the gym. And as they progress through that beginner program, it's about four months long. Um, what, what we do is we move them from following a structured meal plan to then following kind of templated recipes that they're adjusting. The- but what is the structured meal plan? Because yeah. you, you did mention, uh, and, and I'm just being devil's advocate here. Yeah. So I don't mean to sound anything other than that. But <clears throat> you mentioned that every diet fails because after two weeks, people can't yep. take it. But then you mentioned calorie in, calorie out, which means that you're asking a, a human to starve. Um, how, how do okay. you keep them going past Let's get the two this. weeks? Yeah, yeah. So I get this. So calories in versus calories out. 
it, it does come down to science, right? It, it comes down to the amount of fuel that your body requires, right? In order to lose weight, it is kind of, it is kind of simple math. Of course, you can get into the nitty gritty, you know, thermodynamics between what actually happens in your body. But when you actually look at it in order to lose weight, you do have to be the calorie deficit. Um, this is what the current body of literature does suggest. It's what's commonly accepted and it is what's proven. And where people commonly run into issues with calorie tracking interventions is when they're not really eating the right, the right combination of macronutrients or they're not eating foods that are satiating, right? And so what we focus on at every step of the journey is teaching them habits that actually make this sustainable, right? Um, you know, there, of course, there are things that happen as people lose weight, especially if they're losing a significant amount of weight, you know, say on the order of 20 pounds or more, um, they're going to experience a down regulation in their BMR over time, the basal metabolic rate, the amount of calories that they burn just sitting, breathing, existing. They're going to experience a decrease in their... But if they're uh, only losing fat, the, the basal metabolic rate doesn't come into effect. And the real problem I'm having right now, and I need you to explain this to me, is that it's been proven over and over again that using uh, uh, the fact that uh, you're just burning your body out of calories. In other words, um, let's say you have a car. I'm going to give you an example instead of doing it any other way. You have a car. You run the car out of gas. How's the car going to continue running unless you put more gas in it? Right. So why it's not that we're recommending you don't eat. I'd never put somebody but, on no, a starvation No, you, plan. You, you said the laws of thermodynamics, so I'm going right. off of what you said. So if you, if you run somebody down to zero, of course, it, it won't last. But there is a way to go about creating subtle shifts in your calorie right. intake that can create change. Right. We're not recommending a reckless amount of calorie restriction. We're not putting people on 1,000-calorie-a-day diets. That's not... That's not uh, sustainable. That's not really setting people up for something that's going to work long term. Right. Right. What we do is we take on a much more moderate and something that's actually been backed up by actually, I should actually have the studies. If you, if you guys have a screen over there, you can pull them up. Um, oh, I, I don't think you understand. I've been doing this for 37 yeah. years. I've read every study that's out okay. there. Okay. Okay. So, need to see a new so study. where, where's the issue then? What, where, the, the issue what's, is, what's the better question? What's the better question is what do you recommend? beyond adjusting daily activity levels because not everybody is. Oh, I didn't realize we were up to daily activity levels because you right, said right, you don't but, follow but, but what an do you, exercise. What do you, so what do you going... recommend beyond adjusting calories, adjusting daily activity levels, because simply adjusting the macronutrient split, I mean, that, that's not going to have a significant impact. That might affect your... Oh, I, I disagree wholeheartedly uh, because... The macronutrients is what controls. We gain and lose weight based on hormones. It has nothing to do with uh, the basal metabolic rate, which if you're just losing fat, it doesn't really change that much. Um, but, you know, and that whole idea of building a bigger engine to burn more gas doesn't work because at the end of the day, we're the only animal in the animal kingdom that thinks it's a good day when we don't get enough to eat. Can you imagine a lion going back to the den telling its lion cubs, hey, I did great today. I didn't kill anything. You guys are going to starve to death. Humans are the only ones that seem to think that not getting enough to eat is a good idea. When in fact, the way we lose weight is based on hormones. And the only way we can shift those hormones is by changing what the hormones are doing through macronutrients, eating more fat, not less fat. Yeah, I had a feeling you'd go that direction. So that's, you know, that's an interesting approach. Um, you know, clearly that that is something that has worked for you. 
And I think what's important... No, it hasn't worked for me. It, It works. Right. It works. And I think something that's important, you know, when you are in the fitness industry and when you are somebody who practices kind of an evidence-based approach is to keep an open mindset. There is more than one way to achieve a certain result. Right. No, I understand that, but I was going off of what you said. Right. And And I'm, and I'm saying this is how we do things, which is what you asked. This is what's gotten results. And of course, I believe there could always be another approach. I'm very, very clear. You know, when I am doing my education via YouTube or Instagram and I say, Hey, this is what I found. This is what I've experienced. Here's the science that suggests Yes, this could work. There's, there's always going to be another study you can find that will be against something. There's always going to be a different way you could interpret the research. But oh, if I, I, could, I result, couldn't agree more. But when you talk yeah. evidence-based and you talk to a guy who's been doing this for 37 years and largely only working in, in weight loss and getting thousands of people to lose hundreds of pounds each and – you, you can't sit there and say that calorie in, calorie out is the way to go because it's never worked. There's no study to prove right. it. Not one. Right. So I think, I think we have a bit of a, I think we have a bit of a disagreement there. And if we're yeah. not going to pull up studies and if we're not going to get into, you know, maybe a deeper debate, I don't think that's really something. Okay. That we pull should. up a study. Which one would you yeah. like to pull up? <laughs> All right. Let's go back into my YouTube notes. Let's see. I'm talking to Abby Pollock, by the way, at, a-M-P-O-L-L-O on Twitter and Instagram. Oh, excuse me, on Instagram. And on Twitter, she is at Abby Pollock Fit. Yeah, we don't use that one too much. Oh, okay. Are you, um, are, do you have the A-M-P-O-O-L-L-O on uh, Twitter as well? Um, no, no, I don't have okay. that one. Instagram's a spot, though, for Abby. I, I continually just scroll through all her pictures. I'm a big fan. Okay. So I'm a like, big fan of her photos, too. Very, very nice. I wanted to get into squats and lunges with her, but we went down a, a bad road. So now we got to clear this up before we can get to squats and lunges. Oh, Vinny. <laughs> Vinny, what have you done? I have no idea. I didn't mean to. <laughs> so those are two that I just pulled up from my most recent video. This one we didn't go too in-depth. And I think what's important to understand is the limitation of these studies is that these were on healthy populations. These are not people who were obese. That's not most of the people that I deal with. Most of the people I'm working with are tend to be in the category of 10 to 15 pounds to lose. Um, but those are just a couple that I pulled up that were relevant to my most recent video. Okay, that's fine. Uh, do we have a study yet, Susan? Over there? Um, I, I just texted I them. Oh, I don't know if works. Okay. okay, got it. There's a lot of uh, no talking on the show where we should be talking. That's well, okay. that's your fault, you sing fucker. It, sing I again. can't see the screen, guys. I can't see the screen. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if there is a video on here. That I no, can I've, see. I've got it on my phone. Uh, I, I have a one. Dr. Lane Norton put up one that's uh, yeah, pretty pretty. He's, you know what, Lane? Lane has done a really good job for breaking down a lot of the barriers I'd say in, in the bodybuilding world. And he's even gone kind of mainstream, you know, on the bodybuilding.com with people who, you know, you're like casual kind of, kind of gym bros and people who do cling to a lot of the old school bodybuilding methodologies. He's done a really great job and was actually one of the first guys I followed when I competed in bodybuilding. Yeah. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of Lane. Uh, Lane, uh, if you are unfamiliar, he's at at bio lane on Twitter and that's his best, uh, I think his best source of information lane. uh, And um, I would say Alan Aragon are the two guys that I've been, uh, been big on for a long time, but I'm trying to look for the one. I'm not understanding. I'm not looking at a study here, Sue. 
is it? Okay, let me try the other one. Oh, you guys are so so. Insane. We need we need to move on because so I what, she did talk about it, the people that she caters to are women who have just had kids. Yeah. Okay. And they're raising kids and they're and they're five making macaroni and cheese and okay. they're driving to you well, know, which yeah two. she's right about that. And You're right. Sometimes you can't Abby, make hard. yourself an all meat diet yeah, th- on the side. And right, right. I think diet. I think we went down a bad road there. But I, think we I mean, I think when, depending on who you're catering, catering to and, and their, what they can afford to eat. Um, yeah. You know, not everybody can have steak and bacon. Well, no, and not and everyone. A, we're a not saying mother. that. We're no, a, new mother, a new mother is a particularly hard group to deal we, with. We were having a conversation about calorie in, calorie out, which whenever I hear that, my brain just goes or crazy. Or learning because, portions or knowing like, Because it, let's take studies out of it, Abby, and, and I'll tell you yeah. where I'm coming from. If you look at, if you want to take a study, this is not a real study, but we'll take it from an epidemiological standpoint, Weight Watchers, which has been around for, let's call it 45, 50 years. Weight Watchers, to their own admission, only have a 2%, but it could be a 0% um, uh, uh, success, rate. success rate. And the reason for that is it's calorie in, calorie out. So no matter how much you lose on that diet, eventually the, the human brain won't allow you to starve it. And unless you become an anorexic and kill yourself, you're going to gain the weight back. Uh, a better epidemiological study and is more controlled is what they did to those poor people on um, the show Biggest Loser, where they would get them to lose that, a lot of weight. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I agree with you on that one. Yeah, that's where I was getting at. So yeah. I wasn't trying to argue with you. I was just, whenever I hear calorie in, calorie out, I just freeze up because. And, and I totally get that. Right. Yeah. Because I know it not to be true. But look, if you have 15, 20 pounds to lose because you had a baby, totally, especially if you're young, especially if you're working out uh, and you want to look the way you look, which is amazing, yeah, that's that's true. But we were talking in the last show with this uh, this guy, Steve Zim, who's here in, in California. So much conflating goes on, right? Mm-hmm. And that happens over and over and over again. And I always want, I, I just want, a message to be clear where people aren't just conflating things and just putting it out there. And I'm not trying to say you were doing that. We just went down a bad road and I yeah, could figure yeah. out a way to get out of it without really bad questions. If that makes I, any sense. I'm sorry. I, and I agree with you. I think a lot of things can be taken out of context. And I think, right. you know, without going, going through the full extent of, you know, what somebody's approach is and what the macronutrient split is they're eating and how they're recommending you maintain that long term. I think it is really difficult to get an accurate depiction of it. So I totally get where you're coming from. Good. Let's move on to your uh, how you got your ass to be, as Mike put it. <laughs> it's a, it's amazing. A negative it's a, ass. It doesn't. It it defies logic. You have one of the best asses I've ever seen in my life. You, but one of the best physiques. Period. But <laughs> but most people, especially women who have beautiful, firm, uh, and luscious uh, dunks, they're born that way. Uh, my wife being one of my wife has a giant ass. I get high fived by black guys all the time. Yeah. That's huge. When a, when a black yeah, guy, no, they, I often that's respect. Yeah, that's they just respect. give me high fives for no reason. Um, and and uh, but she, you know, she was born that way. She had she had kind of genetic. You put up pictures of your initial transformation. You had negative ass. I don't even understand I, I how somebody did. It was concave, man. Yeah, you have concave ass, and then you <laughs> went in and you made yourself into this beautiful lower bodied centric woman. And I just want to know, get some of the. Uh, some of the insight into your your weight training protocol and a diet that would that would not only keep you lean while you're you know dealing with that much hypertrophy in your lower body, but also kind mm-hmm. of you know a, a, a booty centric workout, which I think a lot of women nowadays are really focused on. Yeah, so I think 
I think this might actually be a good point to kind of touch on, I guess, some of the things that some of the issues definitely that have uh, been had with calories in versus calories out. And one of the big ones um, that that isn't really, it's kind of an isolated thing to people who are in, in the bodybuilding space and the weightlifting space. But one of the kind of longstanding beliefs uh, that a lot of women actually fall prey to is that, you know, in order to get big, you got to eat big or you got to do a dirty bulk. Like these are, these are kind of like the lingo that you hear thrown around like the locker room. And like, that right? drives like, me it's nuts. Uh, it it's, drives, oh my God. it's old bodybuilding dogma and it yeah. needs to go yeah. away. It needs to stop. It, it's got to stop. And it, and especially when, what kills me is when I see these guys, you know, putting, putting, dropping this knowledge, right. On their girlfriends. And you see, you gotta eat big to get big, you know, dirty bulk all the way, like weekly cheat meal. And you see these people gorging themselves on ridiculous amounts of calories, really a trend that's been going around on YouTube is the 10,000 calorie challenge, which I, that just makes me really uncomfortable. It makes me shiver um, thinking about I, it. Yeah. It's, ugh, it's no thanks. But, uh, so anyways, that's one of the biggest mistakes people made. And one of the things that I'd say really did make my, if we want to call it like a lean bulk, um, one of the things that really did make that transformation so successful was the fact that I didn't make any drastic changes to my diet. I really didn't. I just, I focused on progressively increasing my volume over time with my weightlifting. I was following a structured program that was based mainly around compound lifts. So I wasn't out there with my little booty band doing my glute activation at the gym. I was lifting heavy weights. I was getting stronger. I was eating a little bit more um, in terms of food. And I think one of the other things too, that you guys mentioned um, before we went live, you know, in these pictures and then before pictures, especially, I don't know which one you have up, but uh, I can actually, I'll send this to Susan, but the 2012 to 2014. So I'm going to send this over right now so you guys can just take a look at that one. Um, let me know when you get it. But uh, in these pictures, like you can tell that I, I didn't necessarily look healthy in the before, right? Sure. Um, my head looked really big, which is one of the first things that a lot of yeah, people I, I mentioned, I'll tell the audience, I mentioned that you looked as though you had an eating disorder yeah. in the and first it, photo. And it has all the telltale signs. I mean, it was a really grainy picture, that old school iPhone, though. But, uh, you know, my hair didn't look healthy. It looked like there was a lot of breakage. My skin was horrible. Um, when you start, you know, seeing kind of that weird torso with a little bit of bloat in the tummy, but not a lot of fat elsewhere, um, that can be kind of related to disordered eating behaviors, right? Bad digestion. Um, so, yeah, that was something that I was dealing with at the time. And when you come out of an eating disorder, I've actually seen this. I, I wish I didn't, I wish I hadn't seen it, but I've seen a lot of it. in, I guess the bodybuilding industry, um, a lot of women who have previously dealt with eating disorders who get into more of the weightlifting lifestyle and, you know, they do start eating enough food for their body. They do start training their body in a way that would lead to hypertrophy and muscle gain. And they do achieve these very drastic transformations because you have to understand that in their before pictures, they were, they were very unhealthy, right? They, they didn't have right. enough body fat. Their body was not performing, you know, optimally from a hormonal standpoint. I didn't have my period back in that 2012 picture. There were all sorts of red flags that things were not going well. Um, so I think that was one of the big factors, but more than anything, it was that I didn't fall prey to, you know, just every trend that you see on Instagram. It wasn't that I was doing the big hardcore bulk. It wasn't that I was doing these let's be honest here, bullshit workouts that you see a lot of people posting. Um, I was, I was just making gradual changes and staying consistent with it over time. And when you do that, you can see these very traumatic results, right? Well, I, I want to say this before we go to break, uh, you, you said a lot of important things here 
that we shouldn't just pass over. Number mm-hmm. one, you mentioned doing compound movements, and I've always agreed with that. And it's the best way to put on muscle mass and the way to do it correctly. Number two, eating junk calories for the sake of eating junk calories yeah. is completely wrong. And as I always tell people, that's the utmost in bro science because it's coming from a group of people from the bodybuilding world who thinks that taking drugs is an okay thing to do, yeah. which I always disagree with. And you can put on as much lean muscle mass starting from a lean position versus, and they'll say, oh, no, bro, you got to understand. You got to get yeah. your insulin <laughs> up, bro. You got to do this, bro. You got to do it. And it's all wrong and it's all backwards. And uh, I, I really appreciate that you you mention it in that way. Mike, we need to go to break, right? Yes, let's take a quick break, but I, I'm, there's a plenty we need to talk about more with our <laughs> guest, Abby Pollock, Vinny Tordrich filling in for Dr. Drew, and we are going to take a quick break. All right, it's summer, and dehydration is a very common problem. Even if you don't even realize it, whether you're exercising or lying on the beach, you can get dehydrated very, very easily. And the proper way to stay hydrated is with adequate balance of sodium, glucose, and water. Hydrolyte does this better than any sports drink and certainly better than water alone. Understand, water is just water. It doesn't have these solute products in it. Hydrolyte, in fact, is the best oral rehydration I've ever seen. It comes in great flavors like orange, berry, and lemonade, available in a pre-mixed drink, a powder. I like the effervescent tablets. I wanted to invent that myself before Hydrolyte came around. They got there first. Compared to sports drinks, Hydrolyte delivers up to four times the electrolytes with 75% less sugar. Hydrolyte solutions are appropriate for all ages, and each bottle or package includes easy-to-follow dosing instructions. You can get Hydrolyte at Rite Aid or at Hydrolyte.com, H-Y-D-R-A-L-Y-T-E, Hydrolyte.com slash D-R-D-R-E-W. And for a limited time, our listeners will save 30% of Hydrolyte. It's a great deal. Just click the banner on our website, use the code D-R-D-R-E-W-18 at checkout. That is Hydrolyte.com slash Dr. Drew, and use the code Dr. Drew18 at checkout. Hydrolyte. Welcome back to the one and only Swole Patrol. We have Abby Pollock joining us, and you talked about um, compound lifts and uh, the importance that they have, and I uh, I couldn't agree with you more. Do you find, especially someone like you who, fo- who focuses on uh, female clientele, mm-hmm. is it difficult to get them a lot of times, unless, unless you're someone who has a lot of experience in fitness or bodybuilding, uh, oftentimes I find it really difficult to get women to get under a barbell and deadlift or, or squat. Yeah. So it's, it's something that I have to say has been improving a lot these past few years. Um, you know, one of the good things that I do think has come out of Instagram is the fact that women are seeing, okay, when you lift weights, it's not that you're going to start busting traps out of your ears. You're not going to turn into like the Hulk, right? Which, right. Before Instagramming, before kind of the rise of social media, I think most women just kind of had the only visual was like, I don't even know where I first saw a female bodybuilder, but like that was the only thing I imagined when I first thought women in weights. Um, So I think Instagram's really helped with it. But one of the other things that I think really helps is, and I think where my channels first took off was when I started educating women about kind of the mechanics behind weightlifting actually. Um, and it was something that I found really interesting because within my engineering degree, I was in mechanical engineering, but I had a minor in bioengineering. So even though that kind of focused on, I guess, the, the inner, the inner systems, of the body, right. Some metabolism and, and, um, systems within the body. We also did look at a bit of the biomechanics. And really, when you think about it, the human body can be approximated to a structure, right? And so I was able to kind of apply a lot of these techniques that I learned in my schooling to the human body. And it, it started to make sense. Okay, this movement is 
more knee dominant versus hip do- dominant. This is creating a larger, um, a larger moment arm or force around these muscles as compared to these muscles. And it makes sense why, you know, a hip thrust would be better at hitting your glutes than a squat for these reasons. For me, it really just came down to, okay, engineering, this is your human body. This is a system. And when we actually break down what's going on, you can really simplify these movements and realize, okay, this is how my body is movement moving. This is how these muscles are supporting that. And by adjusting, either making subtle, subtle adjustments to your form or by selecting different exercises altogether, you can actually, this is what I love about weightlifting. You can design your body as you see fit. Like it's literally the way I, I first visualized it was like, I am a race car and I'm just swapping out different parts. I'm literally like adding what I want, taking out what I don't. And it it's so, it's so cool when you actually understand the why behind what you're doing, because you are totally in control of your body. Like, as you can see, I am not somebody who is naturally the shape that I am now, but now that I, I, you know, I've taken this time to learn about my body and, and actually practice that over time, I, I have built the physique that I want from scratch. You know, a, a true statement has never been made because uh, I've always said when you look at the great sculptors, uh, Bernini and uh, Michelangelo, mm-hmm. these guys, it's not what they, they sculpted away, it's what they left behind that mattered. Yep. And uh, I've always said that to clients who, you know, they look at their body a certain way and I'll go and they'll go, I want this, I want that. And I want the other thing. And I'll say, okay, we need to work on your back. And they'll say, wait, I wanted a bigger chest. And I said, yeah, but (laughs) if we don't get the symmetry, if we don't get the look right, none of it will look right. And they'll go, what What are you talking about? Just trust me on this. And it's, you know, when you look at someone, you have to look at their weak points in order to accentuate what they actually want to be as their strong points. I've always said a great set of abs don't really matter because if you're just working the rectus abdominis, you're going to work a very small group of muscles. But mm-hmm. if, you, if you work the lower part of the hip flexors and you get the serratus anterior correctly, then the abs will look right. Right? right, but if you just work the abs and you have the hip flexors not going in right and the serratus muscles aren't looking right, I always said, look at Stallone in First Blood Part Two when he's completely ripped out. It's yep. not f- from the rectus abdominis; it's from what's happening around the obliques and around the hip flexors, and really what's happening where the lats are coming around yep. the serratus area, area. meeting right into the serratus. Yeah. I mean, yep. it's you know the guy anatomically he's he's perfect and that's and it's funny you say that because the back in particular is something that i mean women women the one thing they still don't you know aren't fully on board with is the upper body training um and that was a big mistake that i made kind of early on in my journey and i got like these let's let's be really kind of tree trunk legs and uh, really thick thighs and my upper body. Like, I, I don't even know if I have long arms, but they just looked like these noodles. Like I, I, I joked that I looked like Kermit the frog. They were so skinny. And I mean, you know, it kind of works on the gram when you're like just popping, popping booty all day, but it looked weird. And once I started building my back, you know, not a lot, just kind of adding just enough. It did create that V taper. And I'm not somebody who's got, you know, a naturally super small waist or super wide hips, but by building your back and by building, um, you know, the glute medius and and minimus, you are able to create that shape and that illusion of you have an hourglass shape, right? So women who don't feel like maybe it was in the genetic card cards for them. Um, you know, weightlifting is this, this tool that you can use to, 
transform yourself completely, right? Oh, absolutely. Look, I, I've always said guys that want big biceps, I always tell them, work on your triceps. That's three-fifths yeah. of your arm. Except for Dr. Exactly. Drew. He's completely different. The guy's got <laughs> Popeye's arms. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Dr. Drew has ridiculous arms, but uh, well, a lot, a lot of that's not- genetic. But at the same time, I think you guys are bringing up so much uh, uh, good information here. And the problem with wanting the mirror muscles to pop is yeah. that you have to overemphasize the non-mirror muscles. Right. And no, one's wanted, right. And no one wants <laughs> yeah. to do that. It, it, and, and by the way, uh, I want to I do the negative of what you were just saying. Any guy who thinks it's okay – to work just his upper body, and then he looks like he's oh. got dental floss hanging out of his shorts. <laughs> Never a good idea. Don't do that. And, and for all, like, for any guys that are listening, like a guy with a nice ass, like that's <laughs> definitely something that will elevate you as a man. Like yeah. the number of women I've talked to I'm at the gym you. who will be scoping out guys in jogger pants because they have a nice ass halfway across the gym, like it's a thing. Okay, well, so well, let me, uh, let me like, say this: back in 1985, I was working. It was my first job out of college. I was working when Abby was born. Abby wasn't even born yet. I was the uh, trainer for Newman School. That's the school where they actually had two um, two quarterbacks that ended up having pretty good pro careers: um, Peyton Manning and uh, Eli Manning. Eli Manning. Are you yeah, serious? I, yeah, I coached those kids. And God damn! I coached uh, Cooper Manning too. God. The older brother. The one who's an electrician or something? No, he, he was actually the best athlete of the group. That's what they say. That's what yeah, Archie both. says. But I was like, oh, well, you're just lying. I, I can, Archie's a friend. I can tell you that he was the best athlete. He had a bone marrow disorder and had to stop playing football in college. He was at Ole Miss. Oh, my God. I, I took Poor him on spring break. He was on my spring break. I, I used to take all those kids to uh, spring break. Yeah? but well, here's, they, here's, got, they got nice pieces on them? Nice cock? Oh God. But here, here's the crazy thing. When I was in that gym, right before spring break every year, all the boys would come in and start doing curls and push-ups and chest. And I would say, guys, what are you doing? It's like, hey, curls for the girls. I was saying, let me explain something to you. Not one girl will look at you when you're walking towards them on the beach. Every one of those women are going to wait for you to walk by and then check out yep. your ass. So start doing squats and lunges. Yep. I, I agree completely with everything everyone just said. I also agree that people should squat and lunge. I also yeah. would like to put out there, though, if you're, want, if you're specifically targeting the glutes, I don't necessarily know if those are like uh, – they might be in my yeah. top five. I don't know if I put them top two. As far I, as? As far as isolation of glutes. So – Meaning what? This uh, is, meaning like if we were to actually measure yeah. activation with like machinery. Right. Are, are those two – because I listen, I mean I, I, I'm a good squatter. I'm naturally a good squatter. I just – I mean I get fuck all out of it in my booty. Really? So it's, yeah. it's not necessarily um, the glute activation levels, right? Because when you are at the bottom of a squat or when you are at the bottom of a lunge, there is a large degree of, of stretch in the glute muscle, right? And you are going to get a lot of activation kind of exploding out of, um, out of, out of that eccentric. But um, the thing, at least for women, that you want to look at, for guys, this doesn't seem to be as much of an issue. But what every, what every girl seems to ask me about, and, you know, my first video that kind of hit it big, I guess, on YouTube was – how to grow your butt without growing your thighs. Now we're not going for that Kardashian ass. Okay. But women want a proportionately larger butt than their thighs. Right. Right. You know, you can do all the squats in the world. Um, you can squat all day. You can deadlift all day, but what's going to happen. And what a lot of women have actually messaged me about is that 
they find, yes, they're, they're gaining size, right? They're getting muscular, they're getting more definition, but the actual definition from their thigh to their butt is not there. Like they've, it's kind of like, I've, I've, there was one woman who messaged me and I, <laughs> I wish I could pull up the message, but she's like, my ass looks like SpongeBob SquarePants and I've got tree trunks down below that. And I'm like, you know what? That's probably the best visual I've ever heard because that is what I see when I see women who just kind of squat and deadlift and overload those over time. Um, and of course with the squat, this is a movement that, you know, you can say it's as, you can say it's a simple compound movement, but it really is complex depending on your unique biomechanics and, and your unique form and, you know, the, the, even, even the variations you do, but what's been shown in recent years and what's kind of been shown through a few studies, there's one guy who's really, really cool. If you want to look into another trainer who specializes on female training as well as athlete training, um, Brett Contreras, he's out of San Diego. The glute God, Brett Contreras. Yeah, the glute guy. Yeah. He's, he's awesome. He's really cool. Um, so I've been following him for a while and a lot of what he does revolves around the hip thrust, right? Now what's really cool about the hip thrust is that it, it basically, it removes your, quads from the equation and it keeps your hamstrings in a relatively shortened position so that you are able to to create most of the hip extension movement via your glutes right so from a functional standpoint it makes sense and then through pretty much every emg study that's been conducted when you are comparing you know the deadlift to the squat to the hip thrust um the the max activation as well as the average activation throughout the range of motion of the glute has been higher on the hip thrust as compared to those other movements. Now, with that said, um, just because activation is larger on an exercise, it's all about context, right? It's all about, okay, great. But can I apply progressive overload to this movement? Yes. Before before, Abby, can you hear me? Yeah, go on. Yeah, go for it. Before you go on, um, I wish I could say, I can't wait to hear the rest of the podcast. I have a heart out right now at six 30. So I have to run. And I apologize about that earlier conversation, but I love you and keep doing what you're doing. And uh, I will listen to the rest of the podcast once it's out. Thanks. Thank you. Vinny. Yeah, no worries, man. Nice chatting with you. You too. Bye-bye. You're the man, Vin. Yeah. Thank you for coming in. Dude. I appreciate it, dude. Get going. Thank you. All right, All go right. ahead. Continue where you left off. Sorry about that. So yeah, no worries. So when you're actually looking at exercises, what you want to consider if you're looking to target the glutes are, okay, does it target the glutes? Yes. Great. Um, can I get progressively stronger at this over time, right? And this one's a really important one because a common mistake that women fall into is, you know, just doing glute kickbacks or just doing, um, you know, the the booty band exercises or just doing kind of like, uh, you know, like the donkey kickback machine at the gym. And they kind of get stuck in the cycle where, you know, realistically, you're not really increasing the weight on that machine week after week. You're doing your 15 to 20 reps and kind of piecing out. But with something like the hip thrust, you can actually load a considerable amount of weight on that bar. Um, you know, I've seen, I've seen that Brett Contreras guy. I think he loads, like it's something ridiculous, like 400 plus yeah, pounds. He's, he's like, got I, like, I a, like a 430 pounds uh, hip thrust. Or Dude's something. a beast. I mean, he's a, he's a massive guy too, but, um, but you know, still girls, I've seen a few girls who've been busting out, you know, 300 pound sets, 250 pound sets. Um, so it's definitely something that you can progress in weight over time, which when you actually look at what drives muscle growth, and what drives hypertrophy, it is by increasing that volume over time and getting stronger on those key movements. So I think the hip thrust is a really good staple. It makes up the staple of most of my training plans um, that I do via the TFN team and also my per- like my personal training programs. Um, but that's not to say, and I think, again, it's important to just kind of take this all with a grain of salt. It's not to say that the squat is not a good movement. It's not to say that the deadlift is not a good movement. I think that all of these have their place in a routine 
but I don't think that they should be the number one focus, right? You know, unless you're a power lifter who has to be lifting these for your big lifts, um, or unless you're, I mean, unless, yeah, power lifter is the main thing I can think of, or unless as some crossover to another sport, I, I don't think that it should be kind of like this staple as many of these, I guess, media outlets say, you know, squat booty or 30 day squat challenge. It's definitely, they don't deliver the results that so many people claim they do. That's for sure. Right, right. No, I, I, and I, and I think it's, you know, definitely something to point out because it's so much of the Instagram is all about the hashtag, you know, squat girls, squat this, yeah. squat that. And, and don't, I'm, I'm not shitting on squats. I'm a big no. believer in it. I mean, I have, they help build at practically everything I've done. But I, I think when you're trying to really focus on the glutes, I just wanted to kind of get into the weeds of it and, and yeah. point out, especially, yeah, the hip thrust is, you know, is so fantastic. Is this the hip thrust? That is a hip thrust. Yes, okay. Susan is, <laughs> has found it. I'm on your Instagram. But that, okay. is not a, that is not a barbell hip thrust, which is what I'm Abby getting was inspired about. by her Instagram. You should. I'm getting <laughs> I'm getting uh, blood flow from her Instagram. Um, he had a heart out, and you have a heart. I out. have a heart. Uh, oh um, my god! <laughs> you are you someone who uh, worked with fasting at all? Yeah. So I've been doing intermittent fasting for ooh, man, like I think I actually started fasting around the same time I started TFN Team. So mm-hmm. like couple couple years back now. Um, and yeah, I love it. I practice about usually around a 16-8, but now that I've kind of settled into it, some days I'll go longer, sometimes I'll go a little less, just kind of by feel. Yeah, and uh, for for those of you who are unfamiliar, 16-8 meaning 16 hours of yes. not eating and then an eight-hour feeding window, which is something that I practice and I'm a big believer. I got, you know, uh, I got bestowed upon me by Martin Burkhan, the guy, kind of the godfather of yeah, intermittent definitely. fasting. But, uh, you know, I, it has been hard, at least from studies I've seen, it's tougher for women to go for that, that longer fasting block, but you have a different yeah. level of, uh, of discipline. That's for sure. So for women, it's, it's not necessarily harder from like an immediate standpoint, right? Um, it's more so kind of the longer term hormonal effects it can have. Um, and some of these, so some of them basically when you're fasting, your body has a bit of a stress response, right? Whenever, um, you know, you don't feed your body or whenever you kind of push your body, your body outside of its normal environment, whether that's through exercise or food, whatever you're doing, um, you're gonna have a stress response, right? And in general, you know, it's not just fasting, but in general, um, stress impacts women's sex hormones a little bit more, right? right? So it, it can mess with your period. Um, it can mess with some mood related factors. Um, the, the main impacts that I found when I actually reviewed the literature behind it was it it influencing um, women's sleep patterns, which was kind of weird. Uh, it basically makes you a little bit more restless at night and c- can complicate sleep if you're pairing fasting with a bit more of an aggressive calorie deficit. Um, but in the short term, it's definitely something that women can do and that they can do safely. What I found when I was looking into the literature was that when women experienced issues, it was usually when fasting was being paired with in the first place, an unhealthy calorie deficit, right? Which if you pair fasting, that's already a stressor with a really significant calorie deficit, another stressor, of course, you're going to have a really, you're going to have a bad outcome. You're not going to have a good time. Right. Um, so that I definitely wouldn't recommend, but something that I actually love about fasting and this isn't built right into my programs. Um, I don't really believe in kind of forcing that sort of lifestyle on anybody, but what I really liked about it um, coming from kind of a past of dealing with eating disorders was that I had, even once I'd consider myself, you know, out of the red zone with an eating disorder, right. 
um, I still had kind of a weird relationship with food, right? You know, eating disorders are a weird thing. I, I, I'm not convinced that you ever really get like a hundred percent. I think it's just kind of, I don't think anybody's at a hundred percent with their relationship with food. I think a lot sure. of people have some really messed up habits that they're not aware of. It's more of like a spectrum where like anorexia and bulimia are on the one end and then, you know, kind of like the happiest, most mindful eating person is on the other end. Well, um, I mean, I think you make a good point, especially women in America and Canada. I, I are there, is there anyone who's fully healthy? Is there I, anyone you know, who's fully like, connected to food in a positive way? I mean, it's. A, it's I, I don't think anyone is. Yeah. I think we're raised that way. So, what do you eat on the non-fasting time? Like, yeah, so for that eight hours, what do you eat? So, what's cool about that is because you're eating in a compressed time frame, you can basically you're, you're having less meals, right? So, you can eat larger portions at each meal, um, which is nice because I'm definitely somebody like. I mean, my boyfriend eats a lot of food, so I like being able to kind of keep up. Um, so on any given day, it, I don't really follow any sort of a meal plan, but I do love salads. I'm one of those sick people who actually love salad. <laughs> so usually I'll have some sort of fully loaded up salad uh, with a source of lean protein for my first meal. I was actually just in Phoenix. I don't know if you guys have this in Cali. It's called like Mad Greens or something. I was obsessed. I was like, oh my goodness. It was the best salad restaurant I'd ever been to. So you that can't we don't have, have a cheeseburger? Is it is it like cheeseburger worthy? I You know what? I'm not sure. I'm, like, I'm still learning all the chains in the States because we have literally nothing in Canada. But it was really cool. And they had, um, I don't know, they had just all these salad combos, right? And they had all these fancy dressings and stuff. So usually like a fully loaded up salad. None of that depressing like lettuce and tomato type stuff. <gasps> Um, then for my, I'll usually two meals a day. Then my second meal is usually something a little bit more substantial. So again, depending on the day, it might be something like a lean protein plus like a flatbread pizza plus some greens, or it might be, um, trying to think of what I've been eating the past few days. It's been a bit off because I've been away. What else did I eat? I've had, honestly, I had pizza, like some variation of pizza every day for like the past week. Oh, you're my girl. Um, You are my girl. And if you have kids, you know, it just works into the schedule. It just works out so perfectly. You know what? And that's what I love about it because I find that so many people, they, they focus on the micro stuff. They're like, okay, what's the best food for weight loss or what's the best way to meal prep or what time of day should I be eating? Right. And it's, it's so much micromanaging. And when you already have so much other stuff going on in your life, I feel like that's part of what contributes to people just throwing in the towel. It's like, it's too much. I can't, I can't remember to eat this like green drink five times a day. I can't meal prep for like an hour every day. I can't do this. And what I love about intermittent fasting is, you know, as somebody who has kind of fixated on food before, I literally don't think about food. Like I really don't think about it. I don't obsess over it. I don't like, you know, I get cravings, but I never kind of, um, you know, get them to the point where I'm like, I have to eat this now. Like I cannot continue with my day. Are you allowed to have coffee? Oh, oh yeah. Oh my goodness, girl. <laughs> yes, I definitely drink coffee. <laughs> I drink. I've actually had to cut back. I did a, I did a little bit of like a coffee um a, a coffee detox. Like I, I kind of cut it out for I guess a few weeks. Um I think it was last month or the month before because my tolerance had just gotten not not at a good point. Um but now I'm back to like my my one cup or whatever, I guess uh 
Starbucks is whatever that means. That's insane. I have one cup every hour for the, all of oh, all man. hours. That's that's where I was, and I'm like, okay, I can't keep doing this. A, it's expensive, and B, I just I don't want to be this crazy neurotic lady. <laughs> no, I I hear you. you. But one of these days, you're gonna have children, and then you know you'll realize that you're it's oh, no it'll become your only it becomes your only love. Your only I passion. know I'm gonna be a crazy mom. Like I already know I'm gonna be an absolutely psychotic mom. I, I listen. I'm a big proponent of intermittent fasting, but I also I understand even as a guy who says if you're going to do it, do it. The best reason for it is something that you touched on. I was so tired coming from the bodybuilding world. I was so mm-hmm. tired of having six, seven meals a day that none of them satisfied me. I'd rather have two yes. or three where I could really sit down and feel full, and that that just is something that works for me. I'm not someone who's going to sit down and shit on eating eight times a day because I know plenty of people, men and women, who have gotten fucking shredded doing it. You know, it's like a lot of – and I I wonder – I wanted to get your take on that. That was, you know, the whole reason of going into that whole personal story was a lot of adherence to dieting is does it work for you? And have you found that having the variability to apply that to your clients? Like some things are going to work for some people. Some things just ain't going to work for that person. Yeah. Yeah, there are definitely, there are definitely kind of different, I guess I'd call it like eating personalities, you know, like you, I'm not, I'm not somebody who likes to eat like, like just kind of pick at stuff all day. If I picked at stuff all day, I'd literally eat like enough food for a family of four. Um, I'm not, I'm not somebody who can just graze like that. I definitely prefer the large satiating meals that leave me feeling full. Um, but you know, there've been women that I've met who are kind of the grazing type, like my sister growing up, we could not be more opposite. And she's somebody who can just kind of like walk by a candy bowl and eat like one M&M. Like she's that type of person. I've met that type of person before who, yeah, intermittent fasting probably wouldn't be for them. Um, but then there's people more like us and there's people kind of everywhere in between on that spectrum of preferences. So by learning, by just kind of learning about the tools, right. And that's why that's why I'm not like hell bent on the calories in versus calories out thing. You know, I know that there's Vin's obviously found an approach that's worked for him and worked for his clients. And, you know, I've got an approach that I really love, but even though I have this approach now, um, what I really believe in more than anything is having an open mind and a flexible, a flexible approach to your fitness, right? Um, this is a lifelong journey. If, you know, if you want to, to be fit for the rest of your life and healthy and, you know, your life is going to change here. You might have kids at one point, you might change jobs. Like, stuff's going to change. And so I think it's more productive rather than clinging to like a single ideology to instead educate yourself about, okay, well, like this is intermittent fasting. These are the pros. These are the cons. This is the, you know, bodybuilding approach to eating like eight times a day. These are the pros. These are the cons and learning about each approach so that, you know, when that time in your life comes or if things change, you can apply the right tools at the right time. And you're not kind of left like scrambling or feeling desperate. Right. Right. Well, I, I mean, Susan, unless I know that you're now uh, uh, as obsessed with Abby's Instagram as I am, if unless you have any other questions, I'm going to let this woman get back to her day because I mean, it's been fantastic, honestly, talking to you. I, I it, think I've done every single one of these diets and they all work. Yeah, they all <laughs> um, Just doing it, you know. I, I can't – honestly, I can't recommend – whether you're a woman or not, I think that there's a lot that can be taken away from – all the oogling aside and all the funny jokes. I Yes, I appreciate looking at uh, the pictures of Abby. <laughs> but there's a, lot of, there's a lot of very, very, very meaty, very weighty, very good information that comes from Abby's uh, social media. She and is at – YouTube. At A-M-P-O-L-L-O on Instagram. Uh, Transformation Nation T. 
TransTV.com. Am I correct? Is that the best uh, website to? Um, you'll probably go to trans.fo um, slash tool. That's just our short link. It's way easier to type in. Okay. Trans. Give it one more time. Trans. Exactly as it sounds. Dot F-O slash tool. That's the best way to get to our site. And then YouTube is Abby Pollock. Plain and simple. I really do appreciate you joining us. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Take it easy. Thank you sincerely for making this show a success. And it's all because of you, the followers, and the listeners. Please tell a friend. Let them know that it's the best place to find health and fitness information with a nice little peppering of entertainment. Hey, everybody. It is the Swole Patrol Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Mike Catherwood. And Dr. Drew is at Dr. Drew, of course. Join the email list today. Send your questions. DrDrew.com slash contact and put swole at the top of the email so we can get your comments. And this will get you a weekly email reminder with a link to this show and all the great shows that Dr. Drew and I do and all the shows that Dr. Drew does by himself and, of course, with Adam Carolla, the great ace man. Please tell a friend and subscribe on iTunes. Don't forget to rate us five stars. And on Podbean or Google Play, all three help us out. We also are on YouTube slash Dr. Drew and uh, hope you can give us all your comments, even if they're if you're a troll and you want to destroy our feelings and our emotions. Support our sponsors and the show. Click on the banners on drdrew.com for the links to, uh, to products. For special discounts for the products, Dr. Drew and I endorse 100%. Send questions and comments to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Swole Patrol Podcast or on Twitter at Swole Patrol Pod. Also browse drdrew.com for the This Life podcast that I co-host on occasion and all the other shows available like uh, Adam and Dr. Drew and the This Life podcast. A lot of great stuff. Um, Don't forget to check me out on uh, K-Rock in the mornings on the Kevin and Bean Show. And uh, be good. Be swole. Hashtag Swole Patrol.